You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, welcome back to the DNB Supply Show, everybody. This is your host, Matt Breckwald. Thank you so much for joining us here again today. We know what part of our Western lifestyle is public ground. We have so much public ground in Eastern Oregon and in Idaho that we get to go out and explore and enjoy. And there happens to be a group called the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. They're based in Missoula, Montana, but they've got 35 state chapters and two chapters in provinces of Canada that are all about making sure that people have access to public ground to go out and hunt and fish and recreate and enjoy what is out there for us. And they happen to be staging a very large, what they call rendezvous, in Boise, Idaho, coming up in April. And so today we are going to be interviewing Land Tawny, the president and the CEO of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, as well as Josh Kuntz, the Idaho chapter coordinator, and talk all about this organization, what they do, and what all of you can expect at the rendezvous in Boise in April if you're able to make it down. So we hope you enjoy learning all about this organization, learning about some of the issues they deal with when it comes to our public lands and what you can expect if you want to come down and meet with some people who very much enjoy getting out hunting and fishing and exploring public ground all around the United States of America. Land, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh man, thanks so much for having me. You bet. I am excited to speak with you. I have been perusing your website deeply and and uh, very, very cool what you guys do and, and looking forward to all that. I wonder if we might start by just having you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about you, how you have uh, come up to, to become the president and the CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Sure. So, uh, Land Tawny, President and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and I would say that uh, my path first started in the duck blinds of sloughs off the Bitterroot River in Montana uh, with my father before I could even shoot, you know, on, um, on his back fishing on the Big Hole River and then, you know, literally tromping in his steps going elk hunting uh, just outside of Yellowstone Park. And so, a great fortune to be in a fifth-generation Montanan and have two parents that have, you know, made it their kind of life's mission to get me outside. You know, my, my father was the was the lawyer for the Elk Foundation when they first started for the first 10 years until he passed away. And so, you know, I got to see that organization go from, you know, small Troy, Montana, to being the organization that they are today in that short 10 years. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, BHA is, is really kind of on that same trajectory. But, uh, you know, I would say it's all about my parents. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And you know, I got a wildlife biology degree from the University of Montana. And then worked for the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership fresh out of school, and then worked for the National Wildlife Federation after that, and uh, you know took this job five years ago. And, and you know when I first started, I was the only full-time employee, and now you know we're going on 26 full-time employees and you know, 19,000 members, and we're just crushing it. Well, yeah, it's it's really impressive what I've seen and what you're doing. And so, so Dad was an attorney for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and that kind of set your roots uh, in terms of all your outdoor activities and then his ability to work in that. I would say so. You know, both my mom and dad were uh, the first full-time conservation lobbyists at the state legislature as well. And so, you know, that, that advocacy piece has really been a part of you know, who I am and who our family is, you know, from the very beginning. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to carry on their legacy in my own way. 
yeah, uh, and really, you know, do my part right now. That is great, and uh, you know, I mean, the only the only downside I hear here is that you're a grizzly. I don't know if you knew I'm a bobcat. <laughs> well, that's the debate we can have maybe <laughs> later. But you know, the Grizzlies have been dominating. At least they did for a long time, and they have had some rough years. But this last year was a, a good good back. Uh, Got one in the win column, I guess, in football at least. And yeah, yeah, I know basketball. We dominated you guys this year, so that's got to hurt a little bit. It's never easy being a bobcat when it comes to sports <laughs> in Montana. Well, tell us about backcountry hunters and anglers. What what is it? What do, what do you do? And and what's the purpose? We were started around a campfire in 2004. I don't know if you spent much time around a campfire, but all good things happen late at night around a campfire. <laughs> That's right. It's where we uh, solve the world's problems. And, and that night, you know, they really looked at the sportsman's community, and there's a lot of great work being done, you know, by the Elk Foundation, by the Mule Deer Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever. But there was nobody really focused on public lands. And so that's really the genesis of this organization. And really, we want to make sure that you have access to public lands and then efficient wildlife habitat once you get there. And so that's grown now into you know an organization. We have chapters in 35 states and two Canadian provinces with four more chapters coming on here in about a month at our rendezvous. And, you know, we, we work, you know, what's different about us is that we really work on education and advocacy almost strictly. And so we do some, you know, uh, cleanups, you know, our chapter in Idaho has done some work on Craig Mountain and and done some uh, habitat restoration work. But the majority of what we do is try to make sure, again, that you have access to public lands and then the fish and all that habitat when you get there. And so that means, you know, going to Boise. That means going out to Washington, D.C. That means working with local ranger districts. That means working with local, you know, supervisors at a national forest level. And so really we try to just make sure that uh, sportsmen have a voice in these conversations. And uh, so far, I think we're being pretty successful at that. Now, where are you based? Where's headquarters at? So I'm right now I'm sitting in an airport in South Dakota because we just had a chapter uh, event last night. But I'm based in Missoula, Montana. And, you know, the Elk Foundation is, has their national headquarters there, the Blue and Crockett Club. We've got two amazing rivers running through town, the Clark Fork and the, and the Bitterroot. And I can, you know, look at wilderness outside my window. And, and so we're right in the hub of really, I think, uh, some of the best of the best. No offense to Idaho, but we got some pretty good stuff in Montana, too. Well, you sure do. I mean, you're just over the mountains from Idaho right there in Missoula. So uh, we won't take offense. You're close. <laughs> well, that's a great segue. I'm going to take a commercial break. But when we come back, I do want to ask you about uh, what kind of work you have been doing and how you work in Idaho and Oregon as well. All right. Sounds good. At DB Supply, we know that what's inside counts. That's why we dish out Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Grower Feed. Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed has an exclusive blend of nutrients to support a chick's immune system and overall health, even preventing coccidiosis. Raise healthy chicks with Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed. Available now at your favorite DB. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Bayland Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Bayland Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Bayland Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Bayland Country at DNB Supply. 
All right, Land. Well, let's let's talk Idaho and Oregon really quick. Now, I saw on your website uh, that you mentioned the Steens Mountains, which are just beautiful there in southeast Oregon, and and uh, you talked about Craig Mountain in Idaho. But how how does this impact us locally? Let's be selfish for a minute and talk about uh, what you do in our states, Idaho and Oregon. Absolutely. So I think the first thing is what we try to do is we you know try to empower our grassroots and really provide a megaphone for them to be more involved. And so I'll give you. A, Kind of two examples is that there's been a lot of talk about transfer of federal lands uh, to states. And, you know, we look at that as just a path to privatization because the states can't afford to manage them. And so at the state legislature, we had a rally working with other partners like the Idaho Wildlife Federation, child limited folks uh, to really try to push back on that idea. It had, I think, over a, a thousand people at the state house uh, rallying to try to keep public lands in public hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's something real, you know, that I think that people sometimes think that their voice doesn't count. Well, in this, this instance, it definitely does count. And we've been able to push back any kind of legislation at a state level that calls for the, the transfer. Now, ultimately, that would have to happen at a federal level, but uh, we're really, you know, making sure that it doesn't even get any kind of legs at a state level. Um, when I think about, you know, some of the great landscapes, in Idaho, I can go right to the Boulder White Clouds. And, you know, there was, our members have been worked on trying to protect that area, you know, to make it sure that it stays the same uh, for a long time. And, and really, we're able to work with uh, Congressman Simpson to get that done. And you know, that's something I think that, that we're excited about. Now, there was other partners there as well. But that's something that, you know, that we work together to get done. When I think about Oregon, best example of, you know, why the land should not be transferred to the states is in Oregon. And it's around the Elliott State Forest. Elliott State Forest is about just over 80,000 acres and something that, you know, hunters have been able to hunt since it became a state forest. But really the idea was that they had to make money off of that. And with not being able to like harvest as much timber that they wanted, that they decided to sell that, that chunk of ground. And that's really when we got involved and our members told us about this. And then we added the megaphone to that, did an online petition. The online petition gathered over about 5,000 signatures that asked them not to do that. And so the state land board is ultimately who decides that. And you know, when that first came out, I think odds were that they were going to vote um, unanimously to uh, sell that piece of property because, again, that's what their mandate is. They have to make money. And uh, we were able to push back against that and, again, amplifying people's voice. And so they ultimately decided not to sell those 80,000-plus acres but to change the management and so that they didn't, instead of being you know, school trust land where they have to make money, changing it into a wildlife management area. And so that's going to be something that, you know, hunters are going to be able to utilize uh, in perpetuity. And that would not have happened without our boots on the ground. And, and I want to reiterate that that's what this organization does. And I've got examples all over this country, but in Oregon in particular, if we didn't know about that, that sale probably would have gone through. And, you know, now today there's 80,000 acres that the people are going to be able to hunt. And you know, that happened because of the people on the ground. And then we were able to amplify their voice. So um, pretty exciting stuff. It's, a, um, it's one of those ones that you put in the wind column and, that, you know, you're super excited about. And, I mean, obviously the title of your organization is Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. But you're trying to keep this land open and accessible and, and keep it wilderness for everybody, even if people are going in there for reasons other than fishing and hunting. Absolutely. You know, I think that... You know, public lands, we own 640 million acres. You and I and everybody listening to this own 640 million acres. You know, we live like kings in this country. And we want to make sure that's accessible, not just for hunting and fishing, but for, you know, these lands are managed for multiple use. And so, you know, that means 
bird watchers, that means kayakers, that means mountain bikers, that means mountain climbers. And I would say that, you know, maybe some people try to, you know, put us all in these different boxes, but really at the end of the day, you know, we share uh, a lot of the same uh, ethos and quite frankly, you know, I'm out there and I'm, I'm watching birds, you know, a great blue heron, finding them with the duck decoys or, or, um, uh, you know, kingfisher or blackback woodpecker when I'm out. Uh, hunting like those animals those birds like enhance my experience and so to me like we're all in this together and you know people try to divide us i think to try to to reduce our power collective power that we have and you know we're trying to make sure that that we actually unite folks uh, around that shared cause of making sure that we have access to public lands and waters and the fish will have that when we get there so you said you've got 35 different chapters and those go in two provinces of canada and then or I think you said 35 states and two provinces of Canada, if I remember that right. So how do you yep. how do you utilize your local chapters? How do you utilize residents who are in the states where these issues are coming up? So that's a good question. So, you know, out in Washington, D.C., you know, just because we have, you know, a power base in the West, that's not the way everything happens in this country. And so our ability to have chapters down in the Southwest, up in the Northwest, the Northeast, uh, and now, you know, we've got chapters coming on in Missouri and North Carolina. The ability to affect change at a federal level is absolutely important. And then when you think about a local level, you know, our chapters are our ears on the ground. And so when something's happening, you know, that affects at a local area, we're able to, again, amplify that voice, give them a megaphone so that we can make their voice louder. So really we rely on our boots on the ground for the relationships that they have with elected officials that, you know, have federal, I guess, jurisdiction, and also at a state level to make sure that, you know, we're getting the best that we can for our hunters and neighbors. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more, I guess, about the specifics of how you get things done. Absolutely. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today, and these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler Apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite. D&B Supply. When you think about pet food, what comes to mind isn't normally something deserving of your best friend. But at D&B, you'll find a line of pet food that's so real, you can serve it on a plate. Earthborn Holistic Pet Food. Earthborn Holistics cater to your pet's primal needs, blending a variety of nature's finest proteins with other whole food ingredients for a kibble they'll love to nibble and will keep them healthy and happy, too. Earthborn Holistic Dog and Cat Food, available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Land. Well, now that we're back, I wanted to ask you, so as I was looking through the website and seeing what you do, a couple terms jumped out to me, and I wanted to know how you do this. One of those was defending stream access. So so what does that look like in the end? So one of the things that separates this country from every other country in the world is that we do have amazing stream access. Now, is that similar in every single state? No. Uh, Idaho has an amazing stream access law. Uh, Montana has an amazing stream access law. Then you go to Wyoming. And there's places in Wyoming where if you, you know, if your foot touches the bottom of the river uh, that you're even floating on or you anchor up, like you are trespassing. The same can be said in, in Colorado. And there was this legislation passed in New Mexico to make it that way. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that you have access to your public waters. And so a lot of that is defense. I would say that on the 
proactive side of making sure you have access is there's a thing called Land and Water Conservation Fund. Land and Water Conservation Fund is money that is taken from offshore oil in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's put back into access and conservation programs in this country. It's been around since 1964, and it's been the number one kind of access tool that we've had in this country, and part of what it does is it provides uh, stream access opportunities. And so those are put-ins that enter in Idaho, Montana, that are helped, you know, paid for by this fund. And, and to me, those are kind of like the two ways, I think, that, that we're really addressing that piece. I look at other issues that are outside of stream access that are water just issues, so lakes, um, both in South Dakota and in uh, Louisiana right now, are being restricted by private landowners that are saying that they own the water and so that you and I can't go hunt and fish there. And we're trying to change that paradigm, and you know, at a, mostly at a legislative level, and without this involvement, I think that's something that everybody needs to understand, like listening, is that we live in the greatest country in this world, but that did not happen by accident. And you, you, know, you hear the people about Theodore Roosevelt or Aldo Leopold, these great leaders, but there's all these other people that help step up. And you know, every single day, we're trying to enable those people to use their voices. And you know, stream access and water access is one of those pieces. And you know, without, without people stepping up, and you know, there hasn't been really threats in Idaho yet, but that's coming. You know, you think about uh, some of the things that have gone on um, just Idaho here in the last year, when people trying to privatize our public resource, that can happen on our waters. And we have to stay vigilant. And when that, those things do come up, we have to beat them down. Now, on, on the website, I also read about enhancing access to public lands. And the first thing that jumped to mind for me was where we have public lands that are landlocked by private land. Is that what you're talking about there or is it something different? Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, there's, I think there's 4 million acres in the West. They're inaccessible public lands because they're either completely surrounded by private land or that they're a checkerboard situation. And so one of the ways that we can address that is through what I've already talked about is the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Not only is that good for water access, that is also good for land access where you can work with willing landowners and get either an easement or something in perpetuity that we get. And there's also a bill that we're working on right now in the, uh, at a federal level it's called the Federal Land Transfer Facilitation Act. And when you hear that, you might think that's a bad thing, but what it does is it tries to look at checkerboard ownership in particular, where you have private and uh, public, think about a, like a, a black and red, you know, actual checkerboard, mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that we consolidate some of that ownership. And then what happens there is if you sell some of that public land, that money stays in the account so you can acquire others. And so it's a great way to do land deals in specific areas where you have access issues. And so with both the Land and Water Conservation Fund and this other kind of access fund, we're able to consolidate and uh, and make better access for you know not only hunters and anglers but you know all Americans and and so I think it's a you know it's an issue that is facing the people and uh, we're trying to figure out you know the best way to address that and I think those two programs do that. Now uh, you also talk about uh, Theodore Roosevelt's concept of fair chase and and that being threatened today. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that and and how you have an impact on that? You know, fair chase is probably our stickiest bucket, right? You know, we've talked about the access stuff today. Talk a little bit about wildlife habitat. And then this last piece, fair chase, is the stickiest one. You know, you and I have probably very similar ethics, but then also they're different. It's all up to that individual when you're out there in the woods. But there's some things that rise to the, the top that just don't make sense. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, one is that as drones have become more accessible uh, and cheaper and uh, and easier to operate, 
you know, drones have been started to be using, used for, for hunting and scouting. And to me, you know, that is not fair chase at all. You know, if you called me up and said, Hey, I want to come to Montana and shoot a bull elk, I could put my drone up in the air and have that dialed in with GPS on exactly where it is and then just guide you right to it. And I, that's the proverbial kind of bear tied to the tree, you know, that Roosevelt didn't want to shoot back in the day. And so it's just this unfair kind of advantage. I don't think those animals, you know, care if they're shot or not, uh, you know, at 50 yards or 2,000 yards. Um, but is that fair to the hunt? I think that's the way we look at it. And I think drones in particular is something we, you know, that rises to the top. It's not fair. Uh, the second piece, which, you know, is still in operation in Idaho, is really game farms. And this idea that we're shooting elk inside of pens uh, doesn't make any sense to our members and, uh, you know, and probably shouldn't make any sense to anybody that's a non-hunter. Um, let alone a hunter. And, and so like game farms in particular are these places where it's like shooting fish in a barrel. And, you know, I, besides the disease factors and the, and the genetics factors, and like just that idea that that is not fair chase uh, is, is I think something that all hunters should be concerned about and something that we should address. And I will tell you that, you know, that's a, that's a hard one to address, but I think it's something that we should do. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about this event that you're holding in Boise this year, uh, the Rendezvous, all right? Absolutely. Your puppy needs the very best to grow up big and strong. That's why D&B stocks Science Diet puppy food for standard and large breed pups. Science Diet's got all the nutrition essential to keeping their little tails wagging and their teeth sharp while supporting their immune systems and controlling growth. And with the highest purity and quality standards, Science Diet gives you nothing but the good stuff. Choose Science Diet Puppy Blend for maximum puppy licks. Available at your favorite D&B supply. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia boots. Available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earn the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia boots at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Land, let's talk about the rendezvous. So so what is this? And tell us all about it and, and who should be going. You know, the rendezvous is something that, you know, is our signature event. And there's an energy, energy around BHA that I think is hard to describe. And really, our rendezvous is the pinnacle of that. And that's, you know hunters and anglers coming up together all across this country that share the same values. One of the things I hear over and over again is, is people are like, I've found my team. You know, people that think like me and, uh, and, and really enjoy the woods. And so, you know, we start uh, in Boise on April 12th and we have a bunch of chapter leaders coming in from across the country. We'll do a little bit of training with them. And that night we're going to have a brew fest and it's going to be, you know, in downtown Boise and really a bunch of sampling of beers that I think is going to, you know, of local beers. I think it's National Craft Beer Month in, uh, or at least statewide in Boise, and so that's a good uh, tie-in. We'll be able to sample uh, brews and then talk to people about, you know, the outdoor kind of pursuits that they love. Okay. That night, our first time we've ever done anything is we're going to, like this, is we're going to do like a, a backcountry kind of film fest. Now, these are all films that are five to eight, minute long, eight minutes long, very short films, but over and over, all the way from high production stuff to, you and I shooting a, a video with our phones and they should be funny and they should be, uh, and also serious about, you know, the things that we all care about in the woods. And, uh, that'll be a good night and it'll follow up the brew fest. And so people were pretty, pretty jacked up for that. The next morning on Saturday, we're going to hike up the top of table rock. Uh, and there's you know, some folks with XO mountain packs that, uh, 
provide gear. We'll all hike up there together. And then when we come back, it really starts our, our seminars. And we have some of the premier uh, folks in the industry providing uh, seminars, you know, ranging from Remy Warren to Randy Newberg, really folks that, you know, know the backcountry and can help uh, folks experience that in a better way. And and then we go into uh, the afternoon. And my favorite thing that's happening in the afternoon is we have this camp chef. It's like a, it's a wild game cook-off brought to you by a camp chef. And what we do is all of our chapters, you know, bring in food from different parts of this country and they, and they cook it for a panel of judges. And, you know, a winner is announced last year, uh, Oregon actually won. Uh, they bought in some fresh oysters, which I think is uh, maybe cheating a little bit. <laughs> yeah. oysters are so delicious and, and definitely a novelty across the country. But, um, so that's that afternoon. Uh, and then that night is the culmination of everything. And it's our storytelling event. So storytelling again, like, stories from six to 10 minutes about experiences on public lands. And, you know, one of our signature storytellers is, is Stephen Ronella. And if you've ever seen Stephen Ronella in person or, you know, just watched his Netflix show, Meat Eater, this guy can weave a story and he's going to be up on stage and we'll have uh, auction items and raffles that night. But really it's centered around having fun and listening to uh, some great stories. That's the whole weekend, you know, and I'm super stoked about it and uh, glad that we're coming to Boise, you know, our second rendezvous. Our first one was in Missoula way back in the day, and then this, our second one was in was in Boise, and so we're excited to be coming back to Boise to really show kind of, uh, you know, how much we've grown and how much we've matured, I think, since we first came there. When was the last time you were here? Oh, man, you're going to ask me that. So, <laughs> two, let's see. 2013. So it was in uh, March 2013. That was right before I took the job. I took the job later that May. Uh-huh. But, you know, we were there in Boise. And, you know, at that, that point, we had a thousand members and, uh, you know, chapters in only a few states. And, you know, now we have chapters in 19, 35 states, two Canadian provinces, and we have 19,000 members. So this is going to be, you know, that proverbial kind of like blowout. And, you know, I, I just love like the opportunity to come back. I see a number of vendors listed here as well. Are there is there going to be some sort of expo or something like that with the vendors? Yeah, you know, we 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 do. We have about fifty that are coming, and you know that ranges from big companies like Sitka, Loopold, First Light, uh, and then goes down to kind of some like local vendors as well. And and I, I think what's different about our expo, if you want to call it that, is that this is a much smaller venue, and so you can talk to some of these one bigger brands, but also some of the local folks, and really have conversations rather than just like that kind of pass by. Um, that sometimes happens at other events, and you know we've consciously done that. You know we could go a lot bigger, uh, make a little bit more money. We want to make sure that people are able to have conversations uh, with these leading outdoor uh, companies, and so uh, we've kept it small. And, uh, and that's open. You know, I think there's different tickets that are opening up. Uh, they just open up March 1st. And so you can buy a pass for the day. You can buy a pass for that night. Um, come to Brewfest. Everybody's welcome to Brewfest. And then also our, uh, our uh, wild game cook-off. So there's many different options besides the whole weekend. And so how did Boise get so lucky to have it twice in five years? <laughs> I think it's partly because the Boise chapter is just crushing it. You know, they got a bunch of good leaders. They've been doing good work. Uh, I'd say the second thing is, is Boise is a great place in the spring. And we've grown, you know, kind of outgrown a venue that we were at in Missoula, uh, where our headquarters are. And uh, Boise uh, was the next step for that. And uh, we're excited to, you know, come. There's, I mean, if you think about the opportunities that are in Idaho, and in particular, backcountry opportunities. Uh, really, you know, my home state is, is Montana, and we've talked about this Grizzly versus Bobcat thing. We could mm-hmm. talk about maybe uh, 
Idaho versus Montana, but really, you know, there couldn't really be a better place to uh, to really espouse kind of our ethos and, and bring people together. So uh, Boise, you know, you talked about it's warm today. Hopefully it's going to be warm uh, April 12th through 14th, and people are going to have a great time. Well, how can people get involved? How can they learn more about the rendezvous? So I think the biggest thing is you can go to our website and under our events page, uh, there's a rendezvous tag and you can go find out kind of our entire list of folks that are going to be doing seminars on Saturday. Um, so you can find out more about that. Uh, we've got videos that are from the storytelling last year. And so you can look at uh, Randy Newberg telling a story uh, and, and others. And so you can get a feel for what that night's like. But I really, I think people just check it out. And at the, at the, at the very least, you know, there's a brew fest, you're going to be able to come to that and you're going to be able to meet a lot of like-minded people. So I would encourage, you know, anybody to at least come to that, but like think about checking out the entire event. Oh, and give us a website really quick too, Land. Yeah, our website is backcountryhunters.org. Not only can you find out about the rendezvous and all the things happening there, but you can find out more about our organization. And the last thing I'll leave you with is that anybody listening to this comes out with nothing else but that we own 640 million acres. You know, we all live like kings. Like that is something we should all take to heart and know that it did not happen by accident and it won't be carried for by accident. And we all need to be engaged in making sure that, you know, not only do we have the same experiences that we have today, but that the future generations have them as well. And, you know, that squeaky wheel gets the grease uh, only if we use that voice. And so that's what we're really about is enhancing that voice. And the, the rendezvous is that, you know, on steroids. And, uh, and I hope folks uh, come check us out. Well, Lan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and uh, really informative. I've learned a lot and really appreciate you coming on to spend the time with us today. Oh, man, I enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to get out and talk to people. I know your show is listened by a lot of people that care about what you and I care about. And uh, so this opportunity is great for us to you know, talk about our organization. So I thank you. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Land Tawny. And when we come back, we'll be speaking with Josh Kuntz, the Idaho chapter coordinator for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Greatness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes down to what you feed your animals. That's why D&B Supply carries Purina Mills. Purina Mills feeds greatness with balanced nutrition that makes a difference your stock can feel and you can see. It makes them healthy, strong, and greater than ever. Purina Mills serves up the good stuff for all shapes and sizes from horse to cattle goats to pigs even for the birds so for all creatures great and small pick up purina mills at your favorite dnb this is bill's yard and bill's a grill master not a grass expert still he won't let weeds invade his backyard barbecue kingdom and with scott's turf builder weed and feed bill can clear out weeds green up his lawn and hold his spatula high because Scott's weed grip formula is twice as effective on dandelions as it used to be. This is a Scott's yard. Pick up Scott's weed and feed today. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. Uh, We just got done speaking with Land, and now we want to talk with you and kind of dial it in specific to Idaho. And and so we had the the luck to have you right here. So I wanted to ask you, maybe if we just start off, if you could just tell us a little bit about you and who you are and, and what your life looks like. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, my name is Josh Kuhn. I am the Idaho Chapter Coordinator for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, a position I've recently started after a couple of years of volunteering and being one of the co-chairmen of the Idaho Chapter. I moved to Boise about six years ago from Montana. Uh, my wife's work brought us down here, and I always say that the recreation and the good weather is what's kept us here in, in uh, Idaho. We love it down here. So that's a little bit about me. I've been a lifelong 
hunter and angler and grew up in a duck blind with my dad by the age of about eight. And uh, he let me take along on big game adventures from a real young age as well and just kind of got that bug. And, you know, the older I get, the more I hooked into it I am. I spend as much time outdoors as I can throughout the year, I'm hunting and fishing, but also doing a little mountain biking and riding motorcycles, that sort of thing. Very cool. Well, welcome to Idaho. Glad to have you. And and I wanted to ask you, you know, we, we talked to Land all about what backcountry hunters and anglers does kind of on a nationwide scope and, and all of that. But what is your job? What is your day-to-day that you do here for the state of Idaho as the chapter coordinator? Yeah, so what I do is kind of a, a few different pieces there. Is I try to work with all of our members that are part of our Idaho chapter on a couple different things. One big piece is keeping everybody informed on important policy that's going to affect hunting and angling and public lands use. So that sometimes means I'm down at the state house um, listening to bills that are being proposed. Uh, other times we're at Fish and Game talking about you know various changes to Fish and Game policy. So I'm almost a part-time journalist in a way, and that I want to make sure our membership's in you know, up to speed with you know current issues that are coming up that will mm-hmm. affect them. Uh, and then I'm also listening to them about issues that they think are important that they'd like me to take to our lawmakers or to Fish and Game and express their concerns or their uh, you know beliefs about a, an opportunity. A couple other things I do is I work on planning our hands-on habitat projects where we actually you know, go out into Idaho and try to improve habitat or you know, work on an issue on public lands that uh, needs repair. So we do a handful of those projects around the state as well. And then I also help do events for the chapter. So we do a handful of different fundraising and membership recruiting events throughout the year. So I try to plan those and be on site to help our our membership execute those events when I can. Well, very cool. And obviously, we've got a big one coming up. You've got to be very busy with the rendezvous that's coming up in April, right? Oh, extremely busy. Yeah, it's a a great opportunity. Our our national annual event is called the the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous, and it happens to be coming to Boise this year. The last two years, it's been up in Missoula, Montana, and uh, we're having it down here in Boise, right downtown at the Boise Center in the Grove Plaza, and uh, it's it's a lot of work, but it should be a lot of fun. We'll have members and non-members from all over the country coming in to enjoy it on April 13th, 14th, and 15th, and we look forward to having a ton of people come down, and hopefully a lot of Boise locals want to or I should say the uh, Idaho locals that want to come out and enjoy the fun as well. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great event, and obviously that's keeping you busy. Now, you mentioned doing some habitat projects. So where what what have you done? Where are the locations in Idaho that you've done some of those habitat projects? Yeah, a few that come to mind. uh, We did a river cleanup last year on the Boise River and the Oahe River. Uh, we've also done some work on the Emmett Ranger District of Boise National Forest last year where some people had uh, punched in an illegal ATV trail and the Forest Service was looking for some additional hands to help build some barriers so that that ATV trail can no longer be accessed because it was put in there illegally. So we helped them out with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also go up a little bit further north up by uh, Lewiston on the Craig Mountain Wildlife Management Area. We've worked with Fish and Game a few times over the years to do some habitat improvement there, pulling out old barbed fences that aren't in need anymore, planting shrubs along some stream beds, that sort of thing. Uh, and then right here in the Treasure Valley, due to the wildfires we've had the last couple of years, we've had a few opportunities to do things that are going to help improve habitat that was lost due to those forest fires. So we've done some seed collection on sagebrush and uh, bitterbrush, 
And then we're actually in the planning process of putting out the word to our members so they can go out and uh, now plant some of those seeds that were collected. Well, when it comes to what you do there uh, in terms of providing access to public lands and into streams and things like that, what are some of the biggest issues that, we, that you see that we're facing here in Idaho? Well, here in Idaho, we are extremely lucky that we have so much public land as part of our state. Over 60% of our state is public land. So a lot of what we do is want to make sure that that public land access is going to be defended. One thing here in Idaho that's kind of unique, um, we have excellent stream access laws compared to the rest of the country. However, there always seems to be a lot of confusion about um, hosting requirements as far as stream access. Occasionally you will see fences that go across streams or uh, you know, no trespassing signs. And the legalities of that get a little complicated. So we just like to try to educate our members about what is legal and what is not legal. Um, likewise with public lands, we try to keep people alert that it's all equally important to know that public lands are accessible. And occasionally you'll run across things where private landowners, and this is very rare, but it does occasionally happen where public lands get posted as private. And obviously we try to recognize those and report them to the proper agency so that the proper steps can be taken to uh, get those illegal postings taken off so that the public knows that they are allowed on public lands. Those are a couple of things that we work on here in Idaho. Well, Josh, this has been great. Any last words on the rendezvous before we finish our interview? Yeah, thanks. Uh, there are two pieces of rendezvous that I like to point out because if people have a busy schedule and they can't come out for the whole thing, um, one opportunity is to come out on Friday night for our brew fest. We call it the Beer Bands in Public Lands. It's a huge celebration. We'll have two great bands, uh, breweries from over 20 different breweries, and that is open to the public. If you want to drink the beer, it's $20 to get you a cool custom steel mug and three drink tickets. We'd love to see three, 4,000 people from Treasure Valley down there having a good time. That's on the Grove Plaza on Friday night from 5 to 9. And then on Sunday morning, we have a new thing we're doing this year. And it's a free archery demo and challenge at the uh, Military Reserve Archery Range, which is just outside of downtown Boise. And we're going to have a food truck there, a coffee truck. We're going to have bows from a few different companies down there that you can demo and what we'll have is a chance for you to do a little celebrity shooting challenge and an archery biathlon. And it's all free, open to the public. Come on down from 9 to 1 on Sunday if that works in your schedule. And that would be Sunday, April 15th. Thank you so much, Josh. Looking forward to that and seeing all of that. And I really do appreciate what you're doing for the state of Idaho and all the information today. Pleasure being on with you. Have a great day, Matt. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.